When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Great to have you in. Welcome to Monday. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you will check in on the NFL Super Bowl matchup. Kansas City and Philly. It pains some, some of us to say. And uh, others are rejoicing greatly with that comeback and finish by Kansas City. Numbers to get in, 46637. 76-466-3776-800-825-5865. Jay Moore with us uh, in Hour 1. Get his take on uh, what he saw with Kansas City, Cincinnati. Also, uh, his uh, reaction to Sua Lafutu, the new defensive line recruit that uh, committed over the weekend out of California. Jay uh, kind of breaks him down a little bit. Signing day is Wednesday. Coach Knighton, Coach Potrost, a.k.a. Uh, met the media today. Also, Coach Foley, special teams guy. He's awesome uh, to listen to. So, some thoughts from them. Mr. Blackshirt, Charlie McBride, a Monday with Charlie, joins us in Hour 2. You can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Also, watch the show if you prefer to do it that way. Uh, ESPN, Lincoln, Facebook, and Twitter. Hail Varsity YouTube channel is where you can watch the show and uh, stream us uh, video-wise on the Hale Varsity Twitter app as well. Hale Varsity Radio Twitter app at HVarsity Radio. Check Coffee and Cream. Damon and Andrew, morning 7 to 9. We'll take you home 4 to 6 with Hale Varsity Radio. Elijah, did did the football deliver for you this weekend? Uh, Simple question, kind of a beat-down blowout with San Francisco and Philly, and I think we kind of thought it could trend that way as good as San Francisco was, and they hung at, they hung in admirably defensively as long as they could. But eventually it looked like, uh, well, some moments in Husker football history with either Rex Burkhead running the Rex Cat or you were down to uh, a really tough quarterback situation even this past fall with quarterback injuries for Nebraska football. San Francisco was up a crick without a paddle, uh, once Indomitian Sue knocked out the third team quarterback, and it was it was all Philly. They're they're really good. They're really talented. It was all Philly once Brock Purdy got knocked out of that game. Sure, I mean honest. that that owner collateral ligament got got messed up, and then uh, you could only hand off to McCaffrey so much, and you weren't going to do much and try and get uh, you know Dabo going and Debo beg your pardon, and it just wasn't going to happen uh, in that atmosphere. So. Philly and Hurts off to a Super Bowl. They are a slight favorite. Uh, Kansas City, man, um, are you 
in that camp that, that couldn't believe the officiating or do you look at it more pragmatically with, okay, Kansas City just made a few more plays? And, and I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle and I don't like the waffle. I got really annoyed by the uh, tsunami of flags. I thought it, was, it, it took away. I thought it was a pain in the neck. Some of the calls were justified. Uh, you have a little bit more insight than I do with what's truly a hold <laughs> and what's not. Uh, Cincinnati was a nightmare all game long with their offensive line and really never got into rhythm, although they made uh, enough plays to, to be in that. And, and quite honestly, it came down to some missed calls or a fifth down, shockingly in Missouri, right, where fifth downs never, ever do die. Uh, didn't end up affecting Cincinnati other than time of possession, about two minutes. But I, I feel for Zach Taylor. And uh, on the other hand, I'm happy for Ndamukong Sue, Cam Jurgens, and Jack Stoll. I think that's really cool that you're going to have a pretty uh, well-represented Nebraska Super Bowl, and you're used to seeing a Husker or two in the Super Bowl anyway. So I'm hoping Sue and those guys have a good finish to the year. I don't dislike Kansas City. I was really impressed. You've seen a lot of Patrick Mahomes through his career. You've seen the highlights. You've seen the, the, the come out of nowhere where, okay, he was fun to watch in college, and then he's taking it to a whole nother level. I think Andy Reid's special and as good of a dude as there is. He's that good of a, a head coach, and he is exquisite offensively. Chris Jones was phenomenal at defensive tackle. But – I think, unfortunately, this game in the AFC yesterday is going to be remembered as uh, the uh, the night where conspiracy theories resurrected a bit from the dead because you had a lot of folks that just couldn't believe it. you got to be better if you're the NFL officiating-wise. Both teams played their butt off. It was throwback weather conditions, sub-wind chill zeros, and um, it was really cold. You could see everyone's breath, but... Man, I, what I'm going to take away is Zach Taylor's poise. He can be frustrated, but I, I think his poise was admirable, and he's just nothing but a class act. I don't think Cincinnati goes away. Too many times a team gets to where the Cincinnati's been, and then it just doesn't stay in that moment. It's too hard in the NFL to do it. Well, Cincinnati was a surprise a year ago. They were for real again this year in Kansas City as depleted as they were, found a way. And it was the Stars who delivered. It was Jones, it was Mahomes, and it was Kelsey. And uh, that's awesome to see if you're a sports fan. The, uh, the, the guys that could be and should be in Canton someday uh, deliver uh, when they have to because it's just them out there. What I'll say about this, uh, this whole day of football, when you look back at it, take it in its entirety, is it, it did well enough to keep me in front of my television for seven hours. It, it did well enough to keep me parked there. However, I got to the end of the day, and you felt a little empty at the end of the day. You went, really? That was that was Championship Sunday? Like, I mean, it wasn't Buffalo KC's finish from a year ago. Was it, it wasn't Cincy's KC finish from a year ago? No, it wasn't the, the miracle kick no. by, a, by a rookie kicker. It, there was no Cinderella aspect. And maybe we're just spoiled last year where we had like, a couple yes, good championship we games last year. But what I'll say about the first game, is that Philadelphia team is just a wagon. Like, I, yeah, I, I picked yeah, against yeah. San Fran all playoffs long, and I decided on Friday, you know what, I'm done picking against San Fran. I don't want to be the idiot again. And then, well, 
they were up against a, a buzzsaw that is the Philadelphia Eagles. There, the Phillies, the Philadelphia offense is phenomenal. The defensive front seven is great. Uh, they have a good secondary. That Philadelphia team is going to be very hard to beat. And I got it wrong. I picked it wrong. The game was uh, a bit of a stinker, but from the point that Brock Purdy got hurt. It was just, it was not going to happen for the San Francisco 49ers. So I'll move on to the second game. With the second game, officiating is the name of, of the analysis today. What, what went wrong with the officiating? The officiating wasn't good. I can say that. And I don't think it's because the officials were making bad calls left and right. I think it's more the lack of consistency that we saw from the officials where, you know what? You're not going to call holding on the final play. That's fine with me. Let him play in that moment. But you've been calling holds like that with uh, you've the middle on the right drives. guard. Multiple times, all game, game, with that that same type of holding. You're not going to call it in the final play. You have Joe Burrow getting knocked down near the end zone on the the final possession for the Bengals, second to final possession of the game. He gets knocked down, no roughing the passers called, and then you call the uh, unnecessary roughness on the sideline, which deserved call they got the call right there but you look back at other points in the game and you went well you've you just had a weird mix in that game of letting them play and then calling it like it's a normal football game where I don't think the officials are the reason the Bengals lost that but the the officiating was not good in that game for the Eagle or for the uh, the Chiefs and for the Bengals it went both ways so I don't think the officials affected the result at the end of that they game. They screwed the, the, both teams. Yeah, they, they screwed both teams. And, and and when you look back at it, the Chiefs made more plays to go win that game. They did. Especially with, you give the ball to Joe Burrow with four minutes left, and you look, oh, oh no. This might be bad for the, the Chiefs. Their defense steps up, makes some plays, gets uh, the Chiefs to punt, and then you know what? The offense does just enough to get into field goal range, and they were assisted by the Bengals, but that comes down to composure in the final moments of a game. You got to have more composure than that than to try to hit the quarterback whenever you know on a night like last night in Kansas City with the wind, with the cold, the kickers are going to have a tough go at it. The, the Chiefs probably need another five to ten yards to be in field goal range before that penalty. You just got to just screw your head on straight before that play. And I know it's it's the big play, and you want to get a chance to hit the it. quarterback, and you're worried about man, he might be in field goal range here. Let's get a hit and make sure he gets out of bounds and doesn't get a couple extra yards. I get it, but you got to have your head screwed on straight. But if you're a, a Bengals fan, you can't look at the officials in this game and say, you know what, the officials want it for Kansas City. The officials weren't great, but the Chiefs made more plays to go win. Where I do want to go with this conversation is the fact that the NFL is the only remaining major professional sports league in North America that does not have full-time referees. College basketball doesn't either. But it's not professional. I said big-time professional sport. But you see two brutal levels of inconsistency, Mm -hmm. I think, in college basketball, and you sure do in the NFL. The NFL, you only hear about it, unfortunately, in some big moments. Uh, Brennan weighs in. In all seriousness, the biggest eyebrow raiser penalty was the intentional grounding. How about that two third downs? Yeah, that was that was bad. I mean, blow a whistle for God's sake. Go in there, react like you're a streaker, but stop the play so it's not an extra down. And then the hold on Eli Apple, who that guy makes his fair share of, of bonehead plays. A lot of schools, I should say, a lot of teams for Eli Apple, first round talent half-million-dollar contract because you're a liability, unfortunately, but you have Pro Bowl talent. Uh, and Eli Apple was wrong spot, uh, wrong place, wrong time with that decision. But but back to that point about full-time referees, you're the most profitable professional sports league in North America. Don't, don't give me the, oh, well, they only are going to be working one day a week, 16, 17 games a year, a couple guys getting postseason. We don't need to – yes, you do need to go full-time referees because you are the biggest product of sport in America. It's as simple as that. 
The, the, the athletes are getting paid for their 17 games a year. Why aren't the refs getting paid for their 17 games a year? Because you see in a game like last night, thank God, I don't think, in my opinion, it affected the result. But you see how important having good officials are to a, a game of that magnitude. You're, you're telling me you want to save a couple pennies here and go part-time with these referees? And, oh, they got to go work their 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. And then they hop on a plane Saturday morning for 17 consecutive weeks and go fly somewhere in the country and go referee a game. And, oh, now it's the postseason. There's no weeks off. We're going to fly somebody else. It, it's tax on somebody to have to do that for a, a full six months just mm-hmm. about with what these NFL refs have to do pay them what they're worth we saw it with the officials lockout a couple years ago these officials are very very important to the product that the NFL puts out and I just think it's crazy that we're in 2023 and the NFL is the final remaining holdout among the professional sports leagues to not have full-time referees you know what do they do they deserve the amount of money you're going to be paying them for what they do for 17 Sundays probably not but for the, the brand as a whole, it's important enough to take care of these guys and, and get the best referees in the country for the NFL because you're the most important sports product in America and you're not short of funds. You have billions and billions and billions of dollars rolling in every single year and it's crazy to think that the NFL is still unwilling to make their officials full-time. Just be better. I don't care if you're part-time, if you're full-time, don't suck at a championship game uh, with some of the with some some of the consistency that you hit on. I want to speak on Joseph Osai, uh, former Texas defensive lineman. I feel for that guy. I mean, that was reality TV where he's still on the bench. You hear some teammates F-bombing him going back to the locker room you saw on social media. And you're in the moment. You're frustrated. You've got a 280-pound guy going downhill. Imagine the old 18-wheeler trying to climb and crawl up the mountain, icy mountains. You lose the back end of the trailer, and that thing's going downhill. No way to break its momentum. That was him hustling to the sideline, and he got a meat hook on Mahomes. Mahomes is good four yards out of bounds. And, of course, when uh, Mahomes, the the one-legged wonder last night, uh, gets knocked down, the place is going to erupt. The atmosphere probably helped influence that call. That was the right call. You're sick to death as a sports fan, probably not a Chiefs fan. You'll take it. But you don't want to see a game end that way with the penalty. It reminded me of of Nebraska and Florida State, the Orange Bowl in 94, where Nebraska kicks a field goal. This is before the infamous miss. Nebraska kicks a field goal and goes up 16-15. to 15. And then they kick it off, and Florida State starts driving, and Nebraska aided Florida State with the pass interference penalty, and they hit Warwick Dunn out of Warwick Dunn out of bounds to add 15. So you had 30 yards and penalties for Florida State to get set up for their what would be a game-winning field goal. You hate that you played great football most of the game defensively, and I don't think Cincinnati was great last night, but they were good enough. I mean, they got after the quarterback, they stopped the run, and they really hunkered down. And, and really, I mean, it was 13-3, to and it looked like it was going to teeter a bit for Cincinnati. And the Bengals' defense allowed Cincinnati to get the football back and keep them in it. So Cincinnati's defense has been for real all year long. But you hate in that moment where you're too amped and you don't keep your head and your motor's revving too hot to, to just – apply the parking brake when you need to. And and most and, and Osai didn't do that last night, and that's how you end in a walk-off. But uh, there's so many Chiefs fans around here. 
You've been living in the golden era. You deserve it with what you have with Andy Reid. I've been living in the dark age. I know. A Broncos and, fan and, and Chiefs and, and, you, and you're the other <laughs> side of the coin where there's a lot of Viking and Packer and, and Denver fans right now that, you I mean, you're, you're up to your eyeballs in Cincinnati and in, in Kansas City and you can't take any more of it. Um, the only fan base that may be more insufferable if you're not a Chiefs fan is Philly. And you saw video footage. You saw Bosa get some from Philly fan as he's waiting to go in. And man, um, they are not all, but the ones that are very local, vocal on social media are insufferable. They were insufferable after their last Super Bowl win. So I don't know who you're rooting for other than a great ball game. <laughs> Uh, for the Super Bowl. We'll get Jay- for all the bets to hit, Schmitty. Right. There we go. <laughs> we will recap that. Jay Moore is next. His take on the NFL championship weekend. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the Big Red and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or uh, you know, El Duderino if you're not into the whole brevity thing? It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, talking some NFL playoff weekend with Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFLer, co-host Big Red Wrap-Up. Bird, how tough was it to watch for you yesterday with Cincinnati right there, tied at 20, and, uh, well, then it didn't happen. And uh, Twitter's still on fire about the officiating. Yeah, it was a tough one. Uh, I think that was the first game that I've, you know, I'm always, I'm always invested. I've always been invested in what Zach's done once he's been in the NFL. And you know, I, I, it's given me a better, you know, obviously I, I lived that life for a little bit. And, uh, and to be honest, I'm not a huge, I, was, I haven't been a huge fan of, of watching um, NFL football in the past. I've been definitely more of a, a college guy. But just, you know, following him and obviously now the success he's had with the Bengals, I thoroughly enjoy and look forward to watching any and every game I can when the, when the Bengals play. And yesterday I honestly felt like my reactions were the same as to when I watched Nebraska play. So it's, it's pretty cool just being that uh, emotionally invested into, a, you know, a former teammate and a, and a, a really good friend uh, to their success. And uh, it, it, I think anyone in my position is, I mean, I'm not the only guy. I mean, there's multiple other, you know, there's hundreds of other teammates and, and friends. He's, he's, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're, they're all the same. So, yeah, they hurt. It won, this one felt like a punch in the gut because you felt like they had the momentum there. And, you know, they're just, you know, it's tied 2020 and they got a punt and, you know, the, the punter gets a hell of a kickoff, almost outkicks his coverage. Now, might have been a block in the back there. On the, that's one of the missed calls that kind of I'm still scratching my head on on the gunner, you know. And they, but they 
they made the play. You know, they had a couple good returns there in the game that get that the Chiefs got some good field position. But if you look at it from as a whole, and I'm kind of just taking the officiating out of side. I know it was 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 weighted one you know heavily one way to the other. Um, I think it was what nine calls by the nine penalties on the Bengals to five to the Chiefs, and you know now not all penalties are, are created are called the same. You know it's obviously the timing and and what kind of penalties they are, but. I mean, the Bengals' offensive line struggled. They, I mean, they struggled. Chris Jones had a day, and I know, I, I, and I know the, the uh, Spag, the defensive coordinator. You know, he was pretty good at, at game planning this one. He, he's he's really good at getting guys one on one and finding those those matchups. And I think they they exploited uh, Cincinnati a little bit there. And but you know, looking looking you know at, towards the first half, you know, Kansas or uh, excuse me, Cincinnati only gets uh, six points, two trips in the red zone. That's, you can't have that. You got to get points, especially when Kansas City was like 31st in red zone defense all year. So you'd like to just getting a touchdown, getting seven points out of one of those drives. I think this game's dramatically different. I don't know about dramatically, but it's, it's. I think Cincinnati wins this football game. But yeah, it, it, this one hurt. It, it's uh, they're so close. They've been playing well for so long. You know the ten, you know ten consecutive wins, and things were just kind of clicking on all cylinders offensively. Obviously. Dealing with dealing with uh, the injuries to offensive line and, and you know having to find guys to plug and play and and obviously playing so well last week in in Buffalo and you think they'd hopefully be able to ride the momentum but I tell you what it's hard man it's hard going on the road back to back weeks playing the top two seeds and, and trying to win I know they did it last year but it's 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 just a tough it's a tough situation and uh, you got to tip your hat though I mean Mahomes is pretty darn good. Uh, it, even with that ankle, so obviously would like to see like to see uh, the Bengals on top and going to Arizona playing another Super Bowl. But hey, you know they're going to be back again as long as Burrow's healthy and they got all those weapons and hopefully they can bolster the offensive line again this off season. They're going to be back there again, and and I can't wait to to, to cheer them on and, and watch them again. Were you surprised, or is it what you expected from Zach on the sideline? He got as animated as I've seen him, but he wasn't ever over the line. He didn't lose it. Are you surprised he kept his composure like he did? No, not surprised. I'm not surprised at all. That's he's a pretty cool and calm, level-headed guy. He's not a hothead by any means. That's the angriest you'll see him ever get when you know they get the stop on third down, and then you have the back judge that doesn't blow his whistle, just runs on the field and thinks play's going to stop when no one's even looking at him. You know, and so I get that. I get that frustration and <laughs> not knowing why. Cause no one heard a thing. Usually, even on the TV, that there's a whistle, you can hear it. You might not be able to hear it on the field, but the on-field mics are so good that you can hear the whistle. There was no whistle that was blown. So I get the frustration there. Whether you know, rightfully so. The clock, obviously, the the previous play was an incomplete pass, and. They had to respot the ball, but the clock started running and they respotted it. Shouldn't have because it was incomplete pass. So I understand it, but it's just just the sloppiness of it all, and not a good explanation by the head ref, the or head umpire. You know when he was kind of explaining the situation, like, wait, what? So this is now that happened on that third down play. So it's fourth down. Oh no, that ha- that third down play never happened. And you're just like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and, and then and then you get the sack. Right on Mahomes. Well, now I think they got Eli Apple for the holding call. Now it was a hold. It was a hold, 
And so it's just, you know, it, it was like, it was, I could, I could get, I, I would have been the same way. I'd, I'd have been equally as frustrated. He has every right to be frustrated. Just, that, was a, that was a pivotal part of the game. And you give him another chance uh, just because, you know, and I, I understand the clock situation I do, but you're just, you're giving a really good team at home more opportunities to win this football game. And at a critical time and at, at the, a certain point of field position, that bat, you know, those close games, field position is everything. So I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not surprised by his level. He's he's a, he's pretty cool and calm, but uh, I I think he has every right to be as pissed off as he was. Well, Jay, I think if yesterday proved anything to me, it's that we are well overdue for the NFL finally getting full-time referees and not to stand up for the refs, but it's absurd that the most valuable professional sports league in America is the only one that doesn't have full-time referees. These guys are going to work in a day job Monday through Friday, and then they're hopping on a flight on Saturday and going and refing the AFC Championship game on Sunday. It just doesn't feel right that uh, an organization that's worth billions and billions of dollars is still the professional sports league in North America that is yet to have full-time referees. Yeah, I, 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 I see both sides. And the NFL is the only one that plays one game a week. Now you look at hockey and Major League Baseball and NBA, they're playing multiple games a week. So, you know, you got, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of shuffling around of, of referees and crews and, and so on and so forth. Yeah, it, but it, the thing is, too, is a lot of these, you know, these referee crews are very successful lawyers, businessmen, you name it, accountants, very detailed people. And that was a very undetailed game. It was sloppy the way they called it. It just did not – it just seemed like in a game like that, it's just too – they're so heavily involved. And you'd like to see you know referees swallow their whistles in certain situations, whether it's at the end of basketball games. I know in baseball games it's vastly different. Uh, hockey, I'm not <laughs> – well, hockey's different. I'm not too up to speed on what happens in a hockey game. But you know, late late in NFL, late in uh, big time championship football games too. You know, sometimes you got to let the players just make the plays. Now you want to whether that was a 15 yard, you know, the roughing that you know on Mahomes, the late hit is close. You know, I, I honestly think if if it's not Patrick Mahomes, I I don't think it probably gets called. And I know I feel terrible for for the 58 from uh, from the Bengals. I mean, he was just trying to make a play. He played his tail off all game. He played really good and he looked like he was trying to hold up and kind of tripped and stumbled and then uh, there might have been a little flopping out of Mahomes. Wouldn't be surprised if that was the case in that situation. But it's just, it's hard. It, it's it's hard when you're making such minute call or such fine detailed calls at such critical junctures of, of games. Um I could go either way on the rough, on the late hit call. I could see it. I can see it both ways. But in today's day and age, you know, it, those things are going to get called, and it just hurts more being on the Bengals side that happened. That happened to them. I know if the Chiefs fans are, you know, are, are clearly saying, "Yep, that was that was a roughing. That that was there, that was a late hit. That that needs to get called." And I, I I understand. I fully understand it. But yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward with you know some of the rule changes and how like the NFL likes to adapt change rules you know we already saw overtime rules change after last year you know with San Francisco situation hey can we have a third quarterback suit up and not count towards you know the the 46 guys you're able to dress on game day you know and 
for situations like that, you know, I think that needs to get uh, needs to get changed back. I think that's the way, the way it was in previous years, but that needs to get changed back. And so there'll be there are always going to be tweaks um, that come out of, and it's always come out of these big games, you know, the, the AFC games or the, or the AFC NFC championship games or division around playoffs. Some of the tweaks that that come. We'll be able to see if they do hire NFL referees full time or not, because they it just they they're only calling they're only doing one game a week. And that's for, you know, you call you want to do preseason, so on and so forth. You know, Cleet Blakeman, you know him really well. He's just he's just calling 17 or 18 games a week, and he's, he's a lawyer in Omaha. So I, I, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Jay Moore is with us. Jay, uh, your old buddy Sue is back in the Super Bowl. Philly, real quick, thought here on Philly, Kansas City, before we talk Oscars. Yeah, I, I like, man, Philly's good. They are really good. It would be interesting to see. If Purdy was able to stay healthy, what that looked like, you know, that game. But I tell you what, that putting 31 up on a really good, one of the best defenses in the NFL, that is, they, they provide so many issues just with the RPO game and Hurts mobility and just the, the weapons they have with Goddard and Smith and A.J. Brown and uh, Sanders at running back. And you got a really good offensive line with Kelsey. So it's, it's pretty fun to watch them go about their business. And then guess what? They get really good defense, too. You know, with Sue and uh, you know, you just a lot of young, a lot of young talent uh, on that defense. I like them over the Chiefs. They'll be interested. You know, Chiefs are banged up. They have banged up wide receivers, secondary. Let's see if Mahomes can get healthy over the next couple of weeks when this game's played. But early on, uh, I like I like Philly in this one. They they definitely have played the best and been the most dominant team all year long. I don't see that changing in a matter of two weeks. Jay Moore is with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're presented by Currency. Talking some NFL, the championship weekend, uh, Chiefs and Eagles advancing to the Super Bowl. We'll have more with Jay coming your way after the break as uh, we're going to talk some Huskers still. Uh, and uh, we'll also have Charlie McBride joining us leading off hour two. And uh, at some point this show, we'll also recap Schmidt and I's steak and a beer bets that we made on Friday. Who is getting the steak and a beer from the other? We will find out a little bit later today as I'm looking at the sheet right now and I'm uh, a little bit nervous. Anyway, we'll have more with Jay Moore coming your way after the break. It's Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hail Varsity, and I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. A few more minutes, Jay Moore with us. Hail Varsity Radio, Blackshirt, Husker, NFL are at Jay Moore. 44 on Twitter, co-host Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay, uh, get a switch here and talk some Nebraska football. Got a chance to meet uh, Coach Potros, Terrence Knighton today. And what what is it about defensive line coaches? What, what's, a, what's a key trait that's got to be part of it between your time with Coach Blake? We we're all big fans of Coach Kaz. And, and, and Potros comes on in with uh, – well, with a whole world of, of NFL experience playing and coaching, but now he's got to translate that uh, to the college level. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things is you've had to play the position at a fairly high level. Now, I, whether 
your D line or or like I believe correct me if I'm wrong wasn't Kaz an offensive lineman? Yeah, he, he was. He was yeah, center at Notre Dame. Yeah, correct. So I think you have to play either or at a high level. And I, have, I love Kaz. I think he, he was a uh, a hell of a football coach. I loved the way he operated. Just a technician and, and totally got it. He was an offensive lineman. So I I think you have to played either position at a very high level to understand to to equate it to division one, you know, a division one player. Because it's just you you can't put a DB in there and, and teach D line. You can't put a running back. You can't put a tight end. You have to know what it's like to be in a three technique or in a, a, a shade over the center, and you're you're taking on a double team with a power or a counter or how. There's so many things you have to play. It's such a totally different position than anyone else. You know, no one else gets in a three-point stance. No one else has to, uh, is hitting someone every play. So you have to live it. You've had to live that life, and, and Coach Knight has. I mean, at the highest and at the best of the levels, the highest of the levels, and and uh, has won championships doing it. So that's, that's that's my main criteria for a really good defensive line or all line coaches. You've had you've had to live it and done it at a high level to really uh, give that value and create that value back to your players and, and be able to coach them up the right way. Tell me, Jay, what kind of differences are there between being an off or a defensive lineman in college and being a defensive lineman in the NFL? What 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 differences are there between those two? And then what unique experiences can Terrence Knighton bring from that NFL experience and bring it to a defensive line room that you know the average college defensive line coach might not have? Yeah, I think the main difference, I mean, from techniques and understanding alignment and assignment, it's not that it's not that vastly different. It's just fine-tuning your techniques. You know, guys in the NFL play with such great pad level and hands, and they have such good feet. Uh, you know, they're, they under, and they understand. I think that what separates the two is understanding pass, pass protections and the run games and how offensive linemen are trying to get you to do certain things and I think you once you learn that understand those things it, you can be that uh, a half a step quicker which makes all the world of difference and you're talking in the NFL because you're able to beat that guard to a spot to, to secure your gap or you know maybe he you know oversets you and you're able to go back door on him get attacked there's just so many things you know what's coming as a field to where in college you're you know you just you aren't that far advanced you don't trust it as much you might have a good understanding of it but you're still you're, you're trying to you know stick within the game plan i think once you get to nfl and it definitely helps when you you know you play teams in your division twice a year to where you're able to you know what they're doing you know certain calls you know how certain linemen sit you know and in college it's, it's almost like a rotating you're not playing the same guys every year you know, you're always playing majority of the guys are, are vastly different. I mean, you could play in the NFL, you know, for, for five, six, seven years and see a lot of the same type of coaches, players. Uh, so you can kind of get – you can learn – you can pick up on some things, which is, is pretty cool. But I would definitely say the vast difference between the two is just understanding run game protections uh, and pass protections. Jay Moore is with us. Jay Nebraska getting another commit for 2023. Sua Lefutu. Out of California, 6'4", 285. Uh, St. John Bosco out of California, his, uh, his high school. And they're going to figure out where, where he can thrive. Three technique, can shade him on the guard, can shade him 
Also, uh, on the offensive tackle, uh, what does that versatility say? He's thicker than some of the other linemen they brought in, and uh, it sounds like he's got pretty good feet and a pretty good burst. Yeah. I, I imagine they're trying to find guys for that, you know, that three three five, you know, and, and finding the right guys who can even put – find those, those three. And you're probably hoping you have, you know, nine to 12 guys that you can kind of say, okay, these guys fit. And I don't know if they have those currently, if they view that, I, I would think so. You know, guys like Ty Robinson and, and, and so on and so forth. I, I would think there's some guys that fit, but I'm, I imagine they're just trying to guy, grab guys who are going to be able to fit what Tony White wants to do and what Coach Knighton wants to do within this defense going forward in, in 2023. So they're, they're just – Trying to grab, you know, get guys who, you know, fit is such a is is a is a key word in this in seeing them, and I I know they're not, you know, there's they don't have stars that are you know jumping off the page. I think they're just trying to find the find the trying to find the right people and players to fit what they want and how they can develop. And so I think this is a guy that says, okay, perfect. He seems like he can fit right in this the three-man front that we want to play within our scheme. And if we don't have, you know, if we, and if we even don't, we have to go to a four-man just because we don't like what we have currently, he's still able to play. That's, that's, that's the biggest thing is you get guys, you know, he seems like a guy, he could play a shade. You know, and I say shade, that's like a one technique or a zero that's over the center. Or you can play a three technique or a two-eye or whatever it may be, or you're playing more of a guard. So I think it's a guy who's, who's kind of a Swiss Army knife and can kind of play both inside positions. You know, LeFoutu's a three-star, and he played at the number one school, according to, to Max Preps, 13-1. and one. Uh, They won the, the California playoffs, and a lot of his teammates are at Georgia, at Oregon, at, at different high-level spots. Uh, your thought on the benefit of, of grabbing a kid from a program like that? It's big, because you get some kids that are kind of big fish, small pond, and they might struggle initially when they get to campus because all of a sudden there's big fish around them right away. Now he's had some, some big fish around him in that pond as well at this high school. And I think that just helps from a competitive nature. Uh, I'm sure his play has been elevated vastly already at, at the high school level, just because of the success of that, that, that team. So that means there's, probably some high-level coaching going on there that is damn near near a Division One level. And then you're playing against elite high school talent already. So now that's going to equate even better because guess what? It's not a shock to the system that you're going against, you know, grown men now in college. And you're, you might have been beaten up on, you know, 230-pound guards in high school. Now you're probably going against like 275, 280 guys that, are pretty close to how a Division One guard or, or a center may be. So I think that will equate. I think he'll be able to um, develop rather quickly. I would hope so. Um, and this is all obviously speculation, but I, I think that would he would be able to transfer those skills, uh, you know, rather you know quicker than than the later. Jay Moore's with us. Jay will get caught up again. Talk some more Super Bowl down the road. Thanks for a few minutes. Yep. Always a pleasure, boys.
With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Big thanks to Jay Moore. We'll spend time with Charlie McBride in about 10 minutes. Get Coach McBride's take on Super Bowl matchup. Also, Nebraska recruiting and spring ball just around the corner. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency for all your equipment financing needs. Go Currency. And uh, we'll hear from Zach Taylor here right after the loss last night in a moment. Reminder to get buckled up using your seatbelt. Saves lives, prevents injuries only if properly worn. Buckle up. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. So, Zach Taylor last night in the heat of the moment. We're talking just maybe a half hour removed from a tough loss. Uh, pure class last night, as you'd expect from ZT. I was asked about the uh, the personal foul penalty on Osai, and uh, he handled it. Uh, there's been a kind of a 180 from teammates that maybe were popping off a little bit, caught on camera to their final moments with the media today. So it's still one family, but man, that... That was tough. That was tough for Cincinnati. A lot of the guys felt the inconsistency last night. What did you see on the, the play where Joseph hit? It's tough. It's tough. Tough. It's tough. You know, tough play. Uh, but it, it didn't come down to that. You know, there was a lot of other plays that um, we just missed out on, and, and they made one more play than we did. What do you say to him though? He was blown out of the sideline. How do you try to That's hard. You know, this is emotional. We worked really hard to get here, and um, you know, any play that. Uh, people feel like it's left out there, you're, you're going to take it hard. And that, that's, we want guys like that, that this means a lot to. They care about it, care about their teammates. Um, Joseph's, jo- Joseph's comes to work every day, man. He loves ball. He loves being a part of this team. And uh, it didn't come down to that point. Well, Zach was getting dethawed <laughs> last night. One of the few, in, in, in not in a stocking cap. But uh, the intentional grounding uh, on uh, Burrow uh, towards P. Ryan uh, Taylor asked about that. Intentional grounding? Did you think someone was in the area or was tipped? Or? Yeah, well, it's hard to tell. I don't know. <laughs> 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 the, the tone says it all. Well, I think the argument that Zach Taylor was trying to make on the field whenever it happened was the fact that Joe, or Joe Burrow is being brought down as he's trying to throw this football. So, yeah, it didn't land anywhere near the area, but he didn't have any control where that ball was going because he's trying his to find was... he's in trying to find his open receiver. But as he's going down, the ball just does not go where he wants well, it. And I, I don't know. It's well, he how many times during the game did Burrow just as soon as the screen play was blown up, throw it right at the feet, throw it just. He went longest yard. Uh, well, not completely. Longest yard, he would have hurt somebody below the belt. Well, I almost think that's what he's trying to do on the intentional grounding call, except yeah, he just he's getting dragged down. He loses control of the ball, kind of. I mean, you can't really control where it's going, and it, it goes into the feet of your offensive lineman. And you know what? There wasn't 
uh, a receiver in the air. That's what I think you could make the argument on is that, you know what, he's being sacked as he's trying to throw those football. So he is so trying he, to get rid of it and avoid the loss. Which then sounds like grounding when you put it like that. It does. It, it does. I, I but, think, I think but he had you a, didn't I think, call it. You didn't call it. It was the same, all right, I'm going to get murdered here, so I'm just going to just get rid of the football. Well, you're allowed to do that if you have a receiver in the area. But P. Ryan, to me, was enough in the area. It, to me, I, I think you can make enough of an argument that Joe Burrow was trying to find him with that throw, but the sack was what forced him to, to be errant with it. That, that's the argument I can make. But, again, I, I can't. whenever you put yourself in the, the, the shoes of that referee, I, I understand why you make that call. I mean, well, I, you're a, a normal-sized referee behind the offense line as well. You don't know where P. Ryan is. It just looks like that ball's going to no one. Well, I mean, they, they were just waiting to, to call some sort of chokehold holding call. Hmm. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the discussion around the referees is no sooner to being ended than it was last night. Well, we'll get Coach McBride's take on the Zebras next on Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, we're working on Coach McBride. Numbers to get in here, 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. Can email the show, Chris, at HailVarsity.com, and uh, can send your comments Via the stream, uh, can catch the show, obviously, across the state on the Hale Varsity Radio Network, but also the show streams live video. If you can stand our appearances, anywho, uh, Facebook and Twitter for ESPN Lincoln, the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, Hale Varsity Radio Twitter as well, at H Varsity Radio. Let's bring in Mr. Blackshirt, another Monday with Charlie. Coach McBride joins us. Coach, it's uh, it's football weather here with some of the Arctic temps. How are you doing? Oh, the weather's beautiful here. We have our different shades of uh, darkness. <laughs> we have gray or light gray some, 
that's what the, that's what you have in Michigan. You don't have sun. You have you have different kinds of shades of darkness during the day. <laughs> well, uh, keep the lights on and get the fire built. I guess is what <laughs> I'm going to tell you. It's going. <laughs> uh, good for you. You're staying warm. We'll get to some Nebraska football. Is winter conditioning going? Is going on? You have the uh, Wednesday is the second signing day, so there's probably a handful more guys Nebraska <laughs> will will get, and then they'll figure out the roster. They're well over a hundred scholarships now. But what what'd you think of of Kansas City and Cincinnati last night? Let's start where we left off <laughs> yesterday and. Uh, how hard is it to stay composed as a coach when officiating goes sideways? Well, you know, it, it, uh, one thing is is that it, you have to kind of adjust yourself and listen because the guys in the press box usually can see exactly a little better. Mm-hmm. Plus, they have some access to television, not in the booth, but other than that, and somebody will come in and say something, but... I don't know how that, but on the sideline, it's pretty hard to, to to judge, you know, how far the guy is out of bounds when they're when they're on your sideline. Now you're standing right there, and so everything that happens on your side, if if it those kind of calls, um, you know, whether it's you know out of bounds or whether it's a, a guy stepped out. And came in and ca- caught the ball, or if a guy got pushed out too late, or that kind of stuff, is you know usually you're standing right there, and sometimes closer than the official. And uh, but you know it's you're dependent on a lot of the guys in the press box because I know those guys are listening on the phone to you know they'll throw the red flag mm-hmm. out, and it's only if the guy upstairs said, and I think they even have more access to TV and cameras and we then you know then we would on the sideline now I don't know how exactly but that's kind of the way I look at it it's it's it it one thing is is there's always been a, a, a an old an old saying don't talk to the officials <laughs> um, I was at a game one time when I was younger and I, I said to the official on the sideline I said uh, uh, they made a call, and it was. We thought it was bad, but again, we didn't know for sure. I guess, and I just said, I told the guy, I said I knew we were going to get screwed when we came down here anyway. <laughs> the guy says, "You open your mouth one more time, and I'm going to put a flag on you." So the ball's kicked off, and I know I don't know what I said, but I didn't say anything that was smart or wise or. Mm-hmm. I said something, and the guy dropped the flag right in front of me. And the kid's getting the ball. I thought, oh, my God, he's going to go all the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that solved a part of my problem about even talking to those guys on the sideline. I got I got some guys over when, the, when we played Minnesota, and I had been in the Big Ten. I knew the officials. So I, uh, I called there. Mumford came off the side and he said, they're holding the heck out of me. So I called him over to the sideline and I knew the one, one of them that came over, I grew up with. So I, he came over and I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I didn't even bring a flag with me. Yeah. You know, I said, well, what kind of beer do you guys drink? 
this? And so, you know, they just started laughing and walked away. But, you know, so, you know, sometimes it's, it's not worth it. I mean, it, it, it isn't really because you aren't going to change anything. Uh, they, they have a change now uh, with the red flag. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and a lot of times, of course, as you're looking with the, you know, the, if a kid gets hit in the head now, and then they change it to the shoulders, and now it's somewhere else. And, you know, it's not even what the rule's written. He has to launch himself, and half of them don't launch themselves. You know, there's so many words in the rules, I think, that a lot of times they, they need to go through that thing with all the officials and with some of the coaches and go just go through the whole thing and and find the ones that are causing the most problems because you know you know darn well pass interference with the guys are being taught to get a, get the guys inside arm and hold it down yeah you know and they and all that kind of stuff is starting to appear more and more and more and it's getting hard for the officials to you know to really get something done there Charlie McBride's with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And Charlie, we heard at the end of last hour from Zach Taylor post-game press conference, and he was classy as usual in his post-game press conference, didn't have much of, of anything bad to say about the referees. And I, I want to get your take. How difficult is that to go stand up in front of the media after a game where you may feel a little bit hard-pressed and, and you can't complain like you really no, might no. want to? You can't. Well, you can't. In, you can't. In the, I, I don't think in the, Anymore, I think it's more even it's more stringent now than it was when I was coaching. Uh, you know, there's there's there were times when we had, uh, if I remember, there were a couple coaches in the league that got ten thousand dollar fines. I think they start now at twenty five thousand. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, they got some some rules that you gotta you really have to keep your mouth shut. Um, I had. I had turned in some film that I saw that showed the penalties and everything, and I sent the film in to the head of officials and asked him. I I said, I I I just want, I don't want to complain. I just want your comment because it was not a team in our conference. We were playing an out of conference team, and I never got an answer back. Period. So. Um, uh, the next thing is, is I asked the head of officials in the in the conference, uh, you know, what 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 do you call holding? He he said, I heard that you told some of the your officials that unless they throw them on the ground, don't call it. <laughs> well, that's I mean that's what he told them, and 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 um, you know he kind of locked up on that, and I think he you know he he realized he should never have done that. Then I found out that he's working with the NFL officials too. So what he's doing is interpreting the NFL rules with the college rules, and that that I, you know, that ended it. I think over the as the year ended, uh, there was enough talk about it. I don't think that you know that kind of person they had. He knew what he was doing, but he just was, you know, he was going by the NFL rules. Charlie McBride's with us, Hale Varsity Radio, on Monday with Charlie. Coach, going to talk some Nebraska football, and what what are your expectations? What do you think Coach Rule is walking into here, talent wise? Well, he's done. To me, it makes more sense to me the way our location makes a big difference, mm-hmm. and you can see I I made a look at it. I can I can if I. 
sometime I'll look at it, and when we talk, I'll I'll, I'll read it off to you. Where are, where are all the five-star guys? South. Yeah. They're all in the corner. Where are all the guys that are evaluating everybody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> California, yeah. Texas, Florida, Georgia. They're all in the South. And you can't you can't tell me that they 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 what they're doing is they're trying to find who is the top player, uh, you know, in your area, and then they, if, you know, you say Amon Green was when mm-hmm. we got that, and then they we I I think uh, Dave Gillespie might have been the recruiting coordinator at the time, and he said, "Do you want to know some other names?" They said, "No, we just want to know him." So he's the only guy that was ever evaluated, and he wasn't even evaluated. I I don't even know if they had stars then. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, they may and I and I think at some time that they weren't able to call the players. I, I'm not sure. I think that's all evolved. Yeah. You know, for a while because now all of a sudden they're selling magazines and selling everything with all their conversations. <laughs> For everybody, and everybody knows what everybody's doing, and I feel sorry for the players. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that that's right with the, with just how global it's become because of you know films available for for coaches, films available for players to send out. There's camps. I mean, Nebraska's had. Colorado, Minnesota, Michigan State. I mean, there, there's, there's probably eight to ten teams. USC offered a kid in Omaha last week. I mean, so everybody's on to kind of the talent spike yeah. in in the state right. of Nebraska, and it, right. it's been kind of a national recruiting thing. But it's it's also really high level locally. Well, if you had if 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 we had a cap on with the in-state players and worked kept working at it, and we had some coaches that completely dumped them, mm. um, then then they saw they could get in here and kids will leave, mm-hmm. and that there's some good players and 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 the, of course the best place they go will be the big cities. They're mm-hmm. not gonna they're not gonna fly around the the country and drive their car in Nebraska. They're going to fly to somewhere and get a rent a car and go see them and mm-hmm. get out of there. That's that's pretty much what most of the bigger, you know, the schools will do now. Now the Iowa's and the Iowa states and all those that are around the area, they probably have a guy that does it, you know, that maybe has Iowa and why wouldn't he go into Omaha? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's become now that you you see guys leaving, they're coming in here like flies. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's our own fault. It sounds like Nebraska's trying to mend that fence. I mean, they've already hit 100 high schools mm-hmm. uh, since they've got here. But what... what well, the, what, money's gonna, the money talks to some kids. So yeah. all this stuff, all this new stuff they have is going to... You, you might as well just do the best you can. Mm-hmm. And... and because I don't think there's, um, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of kids that are just going to, they don't, you know, uh, I think we had one of our kids last year went to Iowa, and now he's going to Kansas State or somewhere. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, he came up with right away. He says, oh, it, the people, all well, the number of people and so forth, don't I want 
going to impress me, and I want to go somewhere where they win, mm-hmm. you know. And it, and you know, and and it was a, a you know a, a legacy kid kind of. We his dad played here and all that, and he did nothing but bad mouthes. So, uh, you know, and he still didn't come here. I mean, I don't even know if we approached him after he left Iowa, but I don't know any of that. They may have, but they may have just left him alone. Coach, uh, got about uh, 90 seconds here. In your experience, what what's allowed the connection to be very real with some of the Nebraska coaches and the Nebraska high school coaches? What's that bond and relationship all about? Big time. I think I think you're you're it's really important. I think with the in any state it's very important because you have your clinics tied up in it. You have the ability to come to their campus and watch their practices. Uh, you know, if you're a high school coach, you sure want to go come down to, you know, Nebraska and see their practice or be able to come into the meetings or come in and sit down and do the things, you know. But if you're a guy that maybe, you know, doesn't really care about Nebraska, you'll never come here. So the best thing is these guys can, are, are doing it's coaches turn over just like they do anywhere. So if you get a couple of new coaches within the last two years or at schools, you know, those guys will hook on pretty good because, you know, they want to be, they want to be talked to. They want to, they want to be, you know, the, the school to be straightforward with them. I think that being honest with them and tell them about the kids and, you know, say, look at this kid. If he could do this, we really need scholarship. And now, but we're kind of nervous about his speed and mm-hmm. this and that. And so, you know, there's things you can be straight with them. And most coaches will say, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. You know, they really do. And, um, you know, they, they say, well, it gives me an idea about the kid that, you know, he isn't a kid that Notre Dame or SC or UCLA or any of these schools, you know, Michigan or whoever is going to gonna take because, you know, maybe he doesn't run good enough mm-hmm. or whatever the case is. Charlie McBride with us. Coach, stay uh, stay warm, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll get through a week uh, without football, but we'll check in next Monday. How's that? Aren't there any All-Star games on or anything? There might be, but it's flag football. <laughs> yep. Pro <laughs> <laughs> <Throw> ball, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, thanks for having me. I'll talk to you next week. Like what you hear, high-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Open phones here till 6. We'll mix in some Coach Knighton and Coach Foley as they met the media today here 
But uh, can dial us up 466-377-6800-825-5865. Good story, uh, as, as always, from Sam McEwen. And he's on Monday mornings with uh, Damon Banning and, and Andrew Rogers. And uh, Sam always does his rewind and always enjoy reading that. And um, interesting question here. The, the expectations of you, the Nebraska fan with the rule era and each week it feels like you're getting a chance to meet uh, a coach in this instance the defensive line coach and the special teams coach but you met the offensive coordinators met the defensive coordinators the o-line coach d-line i mean so you know the roster and you're seeing non-stop work on the recruiting trail you've seen the investment of time and attention uh, for Dylan Raiola, you've seen uh, uh, a a late ad in Sua Lufutu, who you look at his measurables and you look at the program he's coming from. You're like, okay, that's nice. That'll be good on the D line. I think the 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 part that has Nebraska fans and it's not rule aid or just blind faith. I think the at least where I'm coming from as a guy who's covered the program from a while as to why the upside is real versus wish okay or 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 wishing is just because of the development that's happened you can have a guy scream and talk till they're blue in the face about development and finding guys and getting them better at football but you've seen proof from guys rule has had at baylor that were kind of no names coming into a division one program be it at temple or at, at baylor and does that work in lincoln we don't know will it work in lincoln we don't know but it's okay based on past performance to err on the side of well the guy is good at getting his guys better and building some depth uh you, you still got to go do it and you're afraid to get hurt with that all in, let me put my chips to the middle of the table. You want to see before you believe, because let's run down where things have gone. You had a little glimmer of hope with Callahan, then it faded. Bo was not for some people. His teams always got better. They always responded. They also, uh, unfortunately, didn't perform on big stages, which wore you out. Mike Riley... Uh, brought some talent in here, but but didn't quite get Nebraska and was more of a Pac-12 feel. Then you have uh, every, the, the guy everybody wanted to have it work for was Scott Frost, and, and Frosty was more about what you wanted to hear versus the actual act of of coaching. As as not that he didn't do some of it okay, but clearly from a staff composition and. The, uh, the 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 work on the sideline they just were were overmatched uh, from from this league compared to where they came from. So Matt Rule now is there, and you know what's what's the expectation? And I look at Nebraska Elijah as a team where they don't have guys like a Cam Jurgens or a Cam Taylor Britt or a JoJo Doman. But they've got guys that have played a lot of football. Can you get the offensive line in the right spot? I think they've got some running backs. I think they have built up some wide receivers. You're going to have a couple of different options at quarterback. 
And then with this defense, plus the transfer portal guys they got, if they can get a few of those portal guys to hit, I have no reason to think they don't get better as the season goes on, but I don't have any reason to think they don't go bowling. The fact is, Nebraska football pre-rule should have been a 6-7-8 win football team. They just got in their own way and didn't close and finish. We'll hear from Coach Knighton as to you know, what he's inheriting here in a little bit, but with all you've been through since 2003 as a Nebraska fan, you've had to kind of analyze this question. And you're one way or the other going into spring and one way or the other coming out of spring. And then August hits and you get excited again and you get that old feeling, well, this could be the year where you get back to some semblance of a threat in your conference. And I don't know that Nebraska's going to win the West, but I don't think they're that far off from being able to consistently climb the ladder and and be in position. And well, that's that's the biggest thing for me is Nebraska's too many Novembers not even been in position anymore to, to compete for the West. And you just took down a team that was playing for the West title. And you, and you pretty much kicked their ass for three quarters. But, I mean, whenever you look at year one expectations, as you're saying here, look at the starting point for all the Big Ten West teams this season. And, and I'm with you. I'm not saying that Nebraska needs to go out and and win a Big Ten West this season for year one to be considered a success. That's that's not true at all. But it was a down year for the Big Ten West, and two it of the two, two of the three best teams are starting from scratch. They have new head coaches coming in when you look at Wisconsin and Purdue. And and I guess maybe starting from scratch is more of a misnomer when you look at Purdue, that they have a lot of returning production, but they lost some senior talent. New head coach coming in at Purdue. New head coach coming in at Wisconsin that wants to completely change the program there and turn it into less of a an offensive line factory and more of an all-around NFL factory that's up to date with modern college football and can usher in the area of NIL. So that's going to be a, a start from scratch type thing. You know what Iowa is? Iowa's always going to be Iowa, where I don't think that they're they're in line for an eleven and one or twelve and zero season next year. They're going to be tough to beat. They, but, but they could, based on their schedule, they they could very easily be there. But it's not. They're either. But t- talent wise, on an on paper oh, talent, talent wise, talent wise, they're just going to out effort you. Yes. They're not going to outskill you usually. Yeah, so you, you know how to go beat Iowa. Like Nebraska can have a, a respectable season, and when you look at the expectations surrounding year one, I think they're probably the lowest they've been since. Year one of Mike Riley? Are, are they are they low because for, for just I'm, and I'm talking just the first year? Are, are they year. low because of what's inherited, or are they low because you just it's it's change, it's different, and it's all new, so it could get bumpy. Listen, 2015, the team went bowling. They finished. What six and seven? I think twenty fifteen. That first year of Riley. I mean, that, that was a ten win football team mm-hmm. that that was divided and not happy that that Bo was gone, and there was a lot of games that they they had right there. And then you saw the bounce for for nine, but you got off to a six and zero oh start. Who's with us on we the have horn? Pete on the line? Okay, let's get to Pete. Is uh, we uh, welcome in Pete? We're talking expectations. Is it different? Is it higher? Is it lower? for year one under rule. Pete, go ahead. Thanks for calling. How you doing today? Good, man. What do you know? Oh, not too much. I guess for me, I don't know if Matt Rule's going to be the guy or not. Uh, indications look pretty good, but we don't know. We've been told so many things, promised so many things. But what I do trust 
I trust Charles Alberts, and I, I trust that he did his homework, and I trust that he found the best fit for Nebraska. And Trev cares deeply about this university. He's a very smart individual, and he knows football very well. And he comes from the old school mixed in with some new school, and I think he got the guy he wanted. So I guess I have hope, and I'm enthused that Trev did his homework this time and got the guy that's going to fit Nebraska. Fair. Yeah, and that's that's – that's a big talking point for Rule, Pete. Thanks for the phone call. Appreciate you chiming well, in. And when you look at the tenure as a whole, I, I think for that reason, expectations, while they shouldn't change at a place like Nebraska, they, they have changed for Matt Rule in, in terms of what his long-term expectations are here around Nebraska. Nebraska fans just want a program or a team that preseason – People are talking about Nebraska. People are saying, you know what? This Nebraska team's got some talent. We'll see how they, they fare in the Big Ten. And then you get to, to November, and you have games that matter. Sure. That, that, that's all I think Husker fans want is preseason. People go, you know what? This Husker team, let's watch out for them this season. They could make some noise in the West. And then by the time November rolls around, you have games that matter in terms of, well, you're, you're trying to stay relevant for college football playoff consideration. Or you know what? You got to get a win over Wisconsin or, or over Iowa to win a, a Big Ten West next season. I guess long-term there's not going to be divisions. But just games that matter in November and that, you know what? We have to go win this game. The eyes of the country are on Nebraska. Let's go be in those games. You don't have to go win Deliver those games. Deliver in the moment on where Nebraska in a while, right? Deliver in the – first of all, get to a moment where there's, there's moments of consequence. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that can shift. That can be this year. That can be – year two that can be well it is going to be i mean you, you got a chance to to make a statement against minnesota on a thursday night they're consistent they're tough they're well coached they're beatable you've had some of the worst coaching the last four years and you've you've had them <laughs> more times than not they've handed to you a couple times with a but the point is, it's been a five to seven point ball game, mm-hmm. and they've come in and, and found a way with air quote lesser talent or COVID or you can't score because there's this this force field around the goal line, whatever it is, right? And man, uh, you can get off on the right foot. You can go to Boulder and and you know break all of Dion's cameras, so he quits getting followed around in in the locker room, and and you can kind of plant your flag from. Yep, we're going to recruit in Colorado and take your dudes, and we're going to keep our guys here, Dion, no matter how many times you invade the state. Now, this is going to be fun, and I think once they sort out who's going to be able to provide and do what for them, they get a handle on who you have, what the talent looks like, how can we go win in the Big Ten. We, and I'm talking as, as the coaches are talking, we don't play for Nebraska. But no, it's okay to to think this year could be an okay year one. I think with any luck, I think you could have a year one like Bo did because you have some mm-hmm. talent. Now, Bo had a hell of a lot of talent in, in 08, but he did a great job that first year in 08 where they went 9-4 and four and beat Clemson, for God's sake. They they almost beat, uh, you know, a top five team in, in tech on the road. I mean, so that Nebraska team got better with some talent. Got better as the year went on, too. And then that's, it, that's it, what it, Nebraska fans want. Yeah, that's what Nebraska fans want. Well, and the thing is, is we compare that to, to expectations following Mike Riley, what Nebraska fans want. I mean, with Mike Riley, it was, all right, you, we need a guy who can come in here to win the big game, a guy who's going to get us to the guy who gets to Nebraska because the, the team's too, air quote, soft, right? Well, and 
You know, that, that first year of Scott, you're like, okay, the way it finished, all right, there you go. And then it was just a nightmare in 2019. We'll continue this discussion. We'll hear from some of the assistants. Hail Varsity with you on a Monday, and we're presented by Currency. And now. And now, back to Hail Varsity Radio. It's good to meet Coach Knighton and Coach Foley, and I will continue, much like I say San Diego and Oakland, when I say Matt instead of Ed Foley. That is a swear jar moment Elijah Herbal can uh, find me for. No, no, we're not going to find you for it. We're just going to pass it off as a running gag. No, this is Are not- you going to get a drop that goes lighty freaking da every time I say it? Oh, that'd be good. Right? We're just van down by the river. I, I don't have a good or, impression. I, yeah, or just <laughs> yeah, or, or lighty freaking da. <laughs> uh, well, here is Coach Pot Roast. We'll hear the story of the nickname Pot Roast. But first, uh, Coach Knighton asked about what he knew about Nebraska before he got to Nebraska. And uh, Nebraska fans will love this answer, but... Uh, he's a, a guy that, that knows his college football history. So my first time coming to Nebraska was a year ago. My fiance's birthday, we came out here for a concert, and it was really cold in February. You know, we were like, well, at least we can say we've been in Nebraska. And then uh, now I'm back here again. But um, growing up, you know, uh, Nebraska was always a school I admired. All the great players that have been here, obviously all the national championships in the 90s. You know, I tell kids all the time that don't know, you know, when I was growing up, Nebraska was the Alabama, the Georgia, you know, um, and that's what we're trying to get it back to. And uh, that's where it deserves to be. You know, it's it's one of the, you know, it's one of the schools that when you get that offer, it's something that, you know, your, your eyes should light up, you know what I mean, just like the other schools. So Coach Rue has a good foundation set as far as, like, how we're going to go about things on a day-by-day basis. But, um, you know, we, we have the right guys here, and they're ready to attack it. So, um you know, as long as they match, you know, Coach Rule's intensity and our intensity as coaches and exceed those expectations, we'll be fine. Right now, Nebraska is that classic brand that moms and dads and grandparents still wow over. And kids right now uh, could take or leave, not in all instances, but it's about, all right, what kind of relationship can I connect with Coach Rule and my position coaches to get me interested? There's, some, there's always going to be big advantages for Nebraska from a brand standpoint. They're not that far removed. Kids still that are going into college remember Ndamukong and Sue or Randy Gregory. Brilliant, by the way, to get Randy Gregory back and get social media cranked up. Because who does Nebraska have that's kind of a quasi-star in the league? Nebraska's got a lot of guys in the league right now, right? Sue's kind of a periphery guy. You haven't seen a lot of Jurgens. Stoll does a great job on the line. DiCaprio's with Kansas City. Cam Taylor-Britt, just a rookie, but did really well. Then there's Zach Taylor. But right now, who's the guy that you see on Thursday night, Sunday night, or, or, or Monday night football that is kind of a wow guy, and it's Randy Gregory when he's healthy? Well, that's who you got to kind of showcase right now. They did that this weekend. More on talent when we talk expectations. And this is Coach Pot Roast on what the uh, the talent is like that he's inheriting, that they're inheriting in Nebraska. Honestly, you know, when Coach Ruth said he was taking the job and he offered me a D-line job, um, I had no idea what we were going into roster-wise. And uh, just meeting the guys and watching a lot of tape, you know, we're not that far off. 
and you you know you kind of wonder because you just look at the record and you kind of make a judgment based on the record but you know losing a lot of close games you know for me you know I feel like that's culture that's culture in the locker locker room amongst the players and um you know that's that's a direct image of you know the leadership because you know in the fourth quarter when the game is tight you want the players to say hey we're not losing this game you want that to come from the players so um you know, it's just developing that mindset during the offseason, attacking everything each day, and, um, you know, making Saturdays the easy day of the week. So uh, we're going we're gonna to attack it this offseason. Um, the guys are kind of anxious right now because this will be the first time they're around the coaches and, you know, working with us next week. So um, I'm looking forward to that and, you know, seeing what we have as far as, a, you know, a toughness standpoint and a competitive standpoint. The nickname Pot Roast came when he ordered a pot roast on a cross-country flight from Seattle back to Jacksonville. He does not like seafood. It was uh, seafood Alfredo or pot roast on the airline. He ordered the pot roast. It's a great choice. And somebody ordered too. The team comedian said, oh, your name's Pot Roast now. And it, it stuck. And he tried to shed it in Denver. It didn't get shed in Denver. It actually it, got a lot bigger in Denver. And, and it got <laughs> and it got uh, well known. So that's that's the story of Pot Rose. Let's talk about Coach Foley. I'm Ed Foley. How you guys doing? Uh, Ed Foley, special teams. So <laughs> he's. I don't know why that's so funny. To no, me. But, but it's so great. I mean, his personality's incredible. Well, I mean, just the, how funny it is to be the type of guy that goes in and introduces yourself at a press conference that everyone's there to see you. Like that's just. And he's kind of already legendary from from Twitter and nacho cheese hot dogs and oh yeah, hitting every cafe in town. Nebraska fans and rightfully so love that. I mean, he's embracing it. But this is Coach Foley a little bit here. Uh, I think we have time for it because it's, it's longer comments from Coach Foley because he's a talker. But let's go with uh, Foley lunch and the Nebraska tour because that's the first thing he was asked about. I'm, I'm still working on lunch. We got a couple leftover Chick-fil-A sandwiches in the fridge, though. I might have one of those. It's my job. Uh, honestly, like, that's that's the way we've recruited. You know, Coach Rule, you know, and I have recruited, and all the staff has recruited, which is, you know, here's four identified players, okay, and you go see those four players, and then what do you do the rest of the day? So my day starts at a certain time and ends at a certain time. And I'd like to fill in that whole day with seeing and meeting as many people within that time frame as we can. And, you know, I don't miss many meals. So we're trying to get a little local lunch and then, you know, but I like to get a local flavor because I think the local flavor for the food gives you some talking points with some of the coaches and something you can talk about beyond just like, you know, hey, you know, how's this guy and how tall is he and how fast is he? You say, hey, where can I get lunch today? So, you know, we're working that into the day, making it making a day out of the that area to me is, you know, what we do. And it's yeah, it, it, it makes it more fun. But it's I think it's part of the whole process of figuring out the area, the coaches, the players and all that. So pretty telling there. Let's let's use our time wisely and make some relationships more from fully here if we have time on what he's learned about Nebraska. This state has an amazing passion. And each, like, understand, you guys understand my background. I'm from New Jersey, right? So I've recruited for Temple. And just in recruiting New Jersey, now I've recruited New Jersey. And, um, you know, I recruited Europe and New York City and Philadelphia. So that, that kind of Northeast area. So I'm recruiting New Jersey for Temple. It's a pro town. So there's like there's not a true identity for football there. And really in the in the Northeast, it's kind of a, a dynamic. But here, 
every town is Nebraska football. Every person's, I mean, I didn't run into anybody that wasn't Nebraska football. Like it's just driven for Nebraska football. So that part of it was a little eye-opening to me. In my, my family went to Boston College. I had my father uh, played quarterback at Boston College. My, my little brother played quarterback at Boston College. So I have a little bit of a, you know, a familiarity with what they do, but it's nothing like this. So it, the reception has been amazing. Um, just going town to town, whether it's where you eat or who you talk to, or when you, know, when you wear the N uh, around town or into the schools, People know you're there. Like that's, I'm not really used to having that happen. Um, again, I've been a little bit limited in terms of where I've recruited and who I've recruited for, but that's been that's been fantastic. It's it's um, it really says a lot about what's going on here. So that's pretty heartfelt and sincere from a from a Jersey guy uh, wearing that end, being recognized, and just the uh, the passion that is a reality. We'll wind down a Monday. Hail Varsity continues. We're presented by Currency. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out on a Monday. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Uh, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence. Podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the whole show or different segments of the show. Watch the whole thing on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel, but subscribe. Give us a, a response, a rating. We'll love the feedback, good, bad, or ugly. We will take uh, your comments. Thanks for uh, uh, checking in with us today. Steak and a beer. Oh. Steak in a beer. Because you took San Fran, I took Philly, and we were right around the overs unders, weren't we? Because it was what, 31 to 7? 31 to 7. 38 points means the under hit. You, if you remember correctly, took the over. Yeah, I probably did. I so took, I went one and one. Yes, but you, you did take Philly, and I took San Fran in the under. So we each got one point off of the first game. So it comes down to the Cincy-Kansas City game. And you took – we both took Cincy. We opened the show Friday saying this is the type of game where the whole world is going Cincinnati and you got to go Kansas City, and I didn't have enough guts to do it. Yeah, You had uh, Cincinnati winning 24-20, which is pretty close to the score. (laughs) Yeah, they're on team. I had Cincinnati winning 35-31. So we're both wrong on that. So it comes down to the total. I took unders, didn't I? You did take unders. I took overs. So I won. And you won because uh, 43 points scored was five points <laughs> under the under. <laughs> and you know what? I, being so close to the score, 23-20 Kansas City, you picking 24-20 Cincinnati is close enough for me. You would have had the tiebreaker anyway. Uh, so you, in fact, win Back with, off a, the schneid. with a 2-2 two and two record. And I, once again... One and three. I'm uh, unable to pick a. Whatever, a Elijah Bad, just go the other way, and you're gonna be a rich, rich person. I'm kidding. This, this is now two consecutive weeks of me missing the line on all the games. I, mi- I missed all four in the division round. I've now lost. Uh, now missed all or both in the championship round. So, whatever I say on the air on Friday, staking of your bet, go opposite based on what we've been uh, seeing over fine. the past couple you're weeks. Fine. You are off to a no block, no rock podcast. Uh, that I am. Those folks are just awesome. Love them. They're the best, and they're part of the Herdad family. Love their podcast. 
You own the brewing company? Oh, of course. Up in Omaha? Of course. Yeah, baby. Got to go sit, Live sit down audience? and have a beer. I have no idea. I, I'm. They just said, show up and talk in front of a mic. And I said, I'll show up and talk in front of a mic. Say less. That's, Good work. That's all I do anyway. So I'm uh, looking forward to that, going up and uh, meeting with the guys. Uh, podcast episode should be posted up uh, sometime this week. So that'll yep. be fun. Check I know that they, out. No it, block, no rock. They do an awesome job. Yeah, they talked to you a couple weeks ago. I know they talked to Andrew Rogers last week. So uh, we appreciate all the love they've been showing to Hail no, Marcy Radio. Good. They're good dudes. And we... We had a good old time with uh, some of the crew from No Block, No Rock, Mike and Company uh, in Norman. We had a great time in Norman uh, the night before, uh, not the bar the night before, but the, the night before kickoff. See, this, this I miss clarifying. this. I miss yeah, this. Yeah, because you- Because I, I, I rolled up to Norman, it would have been like midnight that night, and uh-huh. you guys we, are out we, having we a were, time. We were still on the balcony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was a little grouchy the next morning. See, I'm, I'm squeezed into one Airbnb room. See, they they gave me the, they gave me the bed in the back of Uncle Andy's RV. So I got that. I got like two hours of sleep. Then we were. But up. then the generator broke. I know. Oh. I was going to take, take a hammer to that thing. And poor Andy, like poor Andy, Uncle Andy's up there trying to fix the generator. It's like he's Han Solo trying to, you know, get into the asteroid field so he can fix Millennium Falcon. But yeah, eventually we got the generator going and we got on the air at 7 a.m. in the parking lot of Lloyd Noble. My God. Um, fun stuff. It'll pale in comparison to the Boulder trip, though. Both Boulder trips were, were incredible. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. See you. A Huda Media Production.